What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Well, I want to welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, we are excited because, listen, today is our first episode of season two. Uh, last season was tremendous. Uh, the outpouring of support has been incredible. And we appreciate each person who's listening today. And uh, when I say listening, I mean those in America and around the world. I mean, we have people listening in in parts of Africa, in India, in um, in Somalia, in Somalia, in in Russia. Uh, and I don't I can tell you this. I don't know anybody outside of the U.S. and Jamaica, where my family is from. And so it really is a testament to uh, the great work that uh, many of the guests who we have on uh, has been doing just by sharing their journey and helping others in their journey towards success. So we are excited with season two to kick it off with uh, a gentleman named Andrew Davey. He is hailing out of Alexandria, Virginia. He is someone who is known as a writer. He's a teacher by profession. Uh, he's also a, well, as far as writer, he's a crime fiction writer. He has several published works and short stories that are out there available. And he's also a podcaster. He shows up uh, as one of the podcaster or podcast leaders on the Happy Hour with Heather and Guests, where they uh, basically debut, um, you know, underground bands and give them opportunity to get some exposure, which is pretty awesome. And so, uh, what is most important? It's been uh, an epiphany that he experienced in 2018 where he had a ruptured brain aneurysm and he was able to survive it. And the journey that his life pivoted into, I think you will find very fascinating as I did when I first read it. So without further ado, Niche Finder community, I want to introduce you to Mr. Andrew Davey. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, It's wonderful to be here. Excellent. Excellent. We'll get right into it. You know, let's talk a little bit about uh, why you consider what you do as being your niche. Okay. Well, um, I sort of, uh, things have changed within the last few years. Uh, Initially, 
I had gotten into teaching uh, and writing because I was really passionate about both. Um, my goal was I had wanted to be an author that could really support themselves just through writing. Uh, and teaching was sort of a way to allow that to happen. Um, and then after the, uh, the aneurysm, a lot of what I had to deal with in terms of the emotional recovery was trying to figure out what would be uh, new goals that would be consistently motivating. Um, so I realized that what had helped me a lot during my journey was just feeling like what I was experiencing wasn't unique to me, that I wasn't alone in feeling like I did as I recovered. Um, so I thought I would try to uh, go back to school to get a degree in, uh, in mental health counseling to help other people. Um, so it's sort of shifted over the last couple of years. I mean, I think um, at least finding my niche as a writer uh, was just something to, to express myself, really. Um, and teaching was something where I felt like, I, I, you know, and it sort of goes hand in hand with the new, uh, the new journey I'm on to try and make people or allow people to feel like what they're experiencing is a typical reaction. Um, a lot of what I did as a teacher that was helpful wasn't really as an English teacher to teach, you know, gerunds or how direct and indirect objects work and grammar, but it was more to allow like a 14 year old kid to feel like, okay, well, this is what everyone experiences going to high school. Um, and I think that's sort of where I can be uh, value added to quote some of my finance friends. Um, <laughs> you know, or find, find my niche. All right. Excellent. And I can appreciate that value add statement uh, uh, for many of our friends from business school. That's that's like a, a, a buzzword for them, uh, adding value. Uh, so as we get into your journey, um, what about your backstory gives the audience a vested interest in your journey? Uh, well, I think... One thing that I've noticed about a lot of the uh, endeavors I've had is that I don't have a specific background. Um, you know, getting involved in uh, wanting to be a writer or a teacher or uh, or even getting into the podcasting game, uh, I didn't study any of that. I didn't go to school for any of that. I just sort of had a passion uh, to want to do it, and I would figure it out as I went. Um, you know, I think that's sort of one one thing that's helped allow me to to make progress in all these areas is just having the desire um i remember being really uh impressed by a lot of the teenagers who would form bands uh in the do it yourself especially the underground bands that we cover now where it was just the desire to want to do it and then they would kind of figure out how to do it uh, and they wouldn't let any obstacles stand in their way so I've sort of embraced the same kind of ethic with regard to everything. I love it. You know, Les Brown has a great quote that says in life, you will always be faced with a series of God ordained opportunities, brilliantly disguised as problems and challenges. As you started to go through your journey, what external struggles were you dealing with at the start of it? Well, I would say, um, Certainly external uh, struggles would be uh, with with writing and with teaching and with anything like that. Uh, Self-doubt, really. Um, I think it took a while to feel confident with everything. Um, 
external struggles within the last couple of years with the with the recovery were just sort of limitations that the you know physical emotional limitations things that I would need uh, a lot of time to adjust to so I think those would be you know really I think building up confidence would be the most important thing I remember I had a lot of really great mentors who would say you know when you start teaching you're going to feel like a fraud um but that's that's a natural feeling you know you're always going to feel like okay maybe there's a different choice i can make um with this lesson or or i'm not giving the right advice here uh and that's a natural response you know people it'll take time and experience to feel much more comfortable um hmm. so really for me uh, a lot of it was you know realizing that it's okay to make mistakes or to feel uh like i'm not confident and then over time that will continue to develop so really those those have been you know there there's doubt external doubt which eventually you know you start to kind of feel less overwhelmed by um and then uh, yeah just you know not not being afraid to fall down and get back up again uh you know i think in this day and age it's really difficult people uh people are really frightened about making mistakes mm. um and that's typically how you learn the best is from your mistakes so uh as a teacher that was always one of the things i tried to provide a safe place for my students to learn but also be comfortable in in making a mistake mm and you know it's it's so fascinating to me as a, uh, as I was hearing your story you were you know uh, pretty much you're a young guy you know 44 years old you're teaching you're um I, many would say successful having published works out there and and you're on your journey and then this traumatic brain injury uh happens and then you pivot and and now you were sharing with me off air that you're looking into doing more in this field you want to tell the community a little bit about that yeah, I mean I, I I again I think throughout my life uh what has written and, and I'm going to quote one of my favorite authors from uh from when I was in school this guy David Foster Wallace uh who is a very prolific author once said that good writing helps people to feel less alone. And I remember really gravitating toward that and thinking wow, anything that can make someone feel less alone is a great thing. So let me focus on trying to do that in every way that I can. Um mm. so really I, I was I realized that while teaching was still valuable and I enjoyed it, it wasn't going to be something that provided consistent motivation for me. Um during you know for, for during the rest of my recovery or or what have you. So going back to school um and getting a degree to help other people uh who are, are dealing with um you know, either mental disorders or distress or recovery from something that that would be the thing that gave me consistent motivation. Mm. Um, what epiphanies did you uh, experience? So I know we shared you shared about, you know, now you want to get into like mental health and, and, and want to help in that area. Um, when that epiphany happened to you, what really was the driving force or your motivating factor for saying, you know what, this is something that I think that I can be helpful with? Well, I, you know, I think I had um, really just sort of tried to stay engaged 
as I recovered, you know, just tried to do things each day so that I wouldn't simply be laying in bed um, doing nothing. Uh, and I realized that uh, it needed to be more than that. You know, that, that, that while I could stay, you know, do the podcast and write and do all of these things that were essentially by myself, that I really needed to do more uh, socialization or more things for other people. Um, and that was sort of the epiphany where I realized I'm just focusing on one side of the coin right now. Um, so that was, you know, and, and again, that was something that took a while to kind of figure out. Um, that, you know, that was, uh, one of the, one of the silver linings, uh, you know, COVID has had no silver linings except, uh, I was, I did go live with my parents for about a year, uh, last year. Um, and that kind of allowed me just to have time to kind of think about what the next steps were and, uh, not really have as many obligations. Uh, and that was allowed for the epiphany to happen. Um, mm. I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't even have to think about like, okay, I got to go grocery shopping today or I've got to do this. Um, right. you know, so that, that kind of provide, and then, and then it was sort of the pieces of the puzzle just fell into place. Uh, when I realized, um, I could sort of take what I've experienced and use that to help other people. Um, because that was the, that was the most helpful thing for me was just, even a confirmation from someone else who'd been recovering from a brain injury that what I was going through wasn't unique. Uh, mm. and that would make me feel better. It wasn't even if a, a medical professional or a therapist or somebody said something, it was just, uh, someone perhaps on a message board that said, Oh yeah, I had an aneurysm 10 years ago and, you know, feeling this way is how I felt every day. Uh, and mm. then I, I would realize, Oh, okay, well this is, not unique to me. This is something that people go through and that would make me feel better. So I thought if I could do that for someone else, then that will, uh, help everyone, me included. Mm. Mm. Love it. So that segment, I, I consider it to be your journey. So much more to unpack. Just want to give people just a snippet of it. Um, but the next segment is uh, your secrets. So, uh, well, not, uh, well, actually that's the last segment right before we get to your secrets. It's going to be your niche. And so what I consider to be your niche or really falls into five different categories is your passions, your patterns, proficiencies, or what you've learned to do well over time. Um, and then your, the problem solving uh, aspects of what you do and what people come to you uh, to solve. And so if we go right up to the top with your passions, what strong interests do you have? What do you do that when you do it, you feel like you were made for that moment? Uh, okay. So um, I have a really um, natural tendency to quote pop culture or, or movies. I'm, I'm very good. Uh, unfortunately, I, I haven't figured out yet how to like monetize this, but, um, for doing the crossword puzzle, if somebody needs a clue for, you know, what won the best picture in 1978, I'll know it off the top of my head. Um, I'm very good at like trivia. Uh, so I've initially, when I started writing, my short stories were all very much uh, rooted in making pop culture references. All the, all the characters would do this. Um, 
A lot of the time it would be really esoteric. People wouldn't get the reference. Um, mm. I've learned over time how to sort of evolve the writing so that everyone can kind of understand it. Um, and I've shifted, you know, writing crime fiction has sort of shifted away from that. Um, but that's, I would say, my, what makes me unique is, uh, like right now, I, I won't do it, but I could name the last 50 years of Best Picture Oscar winners in a row off the top of my head. Um, wow. Which, uh, so, so that's sort of an extreme version um, and, and actually, since I'm on this tangent, it's funny when my parents, uh, went to the hospital when I was in intensive care, I have no memory of this, but I think the doctor had said, you should ask him some questions that he'll know the answers to, to see, you know, how he's processing. So they would ask me movie trivia questions. Um, mm. of course they didn't know if I was giving them the correct answers or not, but uh, but that was that was like a sign that I was on the road to recovery. Hmm. It's so, so I, fascinating how. Uh, I'm sorry, you were saying. Oh no, I was just going to say. I hope I answered your question. I I feel like the last. I I just sort of went off on a tangent the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's perfect, and this here's why. Um, I think that you know, uh, each one of us. Um, one of the things that that really, um, really captivates me with niches of individual is that it becomes like a filter for their creativity and and i just found it so so interesting that the creativity that they have as a niche flows through their imagination through this niche and then and and that's what they use um to process what they have as ideas and so for someone who may get inspired to uh you know watch a movie and and they may have you know their niche may be drawing they may paint a picture a poet may write a poem for you, 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 you'll watch a movie and that trivia somehow ends up in uh, one of your characters saying something, right? It's so, <laughs> sure. I think that, pa I think that passion definitely, I didn't take it as a tangent at all. To me, I think it was just really in lockstep with that, um, at least that thought process that I have around people in their niches. Now, what do you do that feels purposeful? Uh, uh, well, I think you know, it, you, it, it took a while, at least with, you know, with writing, I had always wanted people to react to it. Um, you know, I would, I would want confirmation that what I was doing was good, or I was really invested in, uh, what the reaction would be. Uh, and since then I sort of have realized that that's a difficult game to play. Um, you know, because you're always waiting to hear what someone's response is going to be. Um, and then uh, you're sort of chasing the dragon because once once you get it, then you'll have to write something else and then you'll wait for their response and then it's just the slippery slope. So I've sort of realized that for me, the more enjoyment I can find in the process of writing and uh, just creating uh, and then not really worry so much about what the reaction is going to be, that's... Uh, a way that I can find m more fulfilling enjoyment from it. Um, and then, mm -hmm. you know, with, with teaching again, it wasn't so much about whether or not uh, students would get good grades or were they remembering what I would tell them. It was more just about providing support. Uh, so I think, you know, part of it was kind of figuring out what is going to be the most uh, fulfilling 
aspect of all this stuff um, and just try to kind of figure out like, okay, how is this going to be able to sustain for a long period of time and not just, you know, be uh, something that's so short-sighted? Hmm. What do you do that's a pattern of yours? What do you do naturally well? Uh, well, I think, fortunately, I, I have always been and continued to be, even after the accident, uh, very much organized. So I think that's been helpful, um, you know, especially now that I'm going back to school. Uh, it's 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 been great to have to kind of figure out, okay, I'd like to have a certain amount of time to sort of decompress each day. I'd like a certain amount of time to exercise, to have to do schoolwork, to write, to listen to music, to do, you know. So I think kind of being being able to organize has been a great way to uh, to be to be able to do everything without it all falling apart. Mm. What do you do uh, that's your proficient with? So where patterns is what we do naturally well, what have you learned to do well over time? Uh, I think what I've learned to do well over time is really, uh, I don't seek to leave my comfort zone. You know, I'm not like a thrill seeker or someone who tries to challenge himself every day, but I think I've definitely learned to be more comfortable if that has to happen. Um, mm. I, I, I won't let things that I want to do, uh, get out of my grasp because I don't feel comfortable doing it. So that's been something that I've sort of had to learn to do over time. Um, mm. And I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to kind of realize that not, you know, nothing is going to be impossible. Um, you know, it may, it may take a long time or it may, you know, uh, not happen the way that I anticipate, but that doesn't mean that it'll never happen. So mm. that's been something that I've had to, you know, work my entire life on is, uh, you know, none of, none of us like to put ourselves in a position where we feel uncomfortable. So, um, you know, that's been, that's been something, but that's been helpful, um, in so many ways, you know, to, to really not let anything stop me. What do you do that you find to be problem solving or people come to you to solve in a, in a unique way? Uh, I I think probably um, being able to, to see things as a big picture. You know, I think so many times that I go to people for advice, it's because I'm too close to something. So, uh, so that's really where I can, again, to quote my finance friends, be value added is uh, just to offer, you know, and again, it's a unique perspective because... Uh, I'm even amongst, you know, former colleagues as a teacher, I was always coming at things from an unorthodox position. You know, most of them had gone to school for, you know, for education or for something like that. Uh, Whereas I was a theater major in college. So uh, I, I think that would be something I could always offer an outside of the box thinking method that, uh, that might be helpful in, um, you know, in, in, in solving whatever dilemma was ahead of people. Excellent. And so now I get to thank you for sharing 
that information as it relates to your niche. So now what I want to just fold the, the rest, the remainder of our conversation into are your secrets. Right. And so uh, there is a quote by Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe. He said, if you don't have a destination, any road will take you there. And so when it comes down to your secrets, one of the first questions that I want to ask you is if you were to speak to your younger self, this is before the event that happened to you. This is before school this is before any of those things. Let's just say your teenage self. Uh, what secrets would you tell your teenage self to get you from where you are at that moment in time? To where you are today? Well, that's a, a great question. Um, I think I would probably encourage my teenage self just to be patient um, and to understand that the values I had back then probably aren't going to be the values that I hold dear, you know, 20 years later. Um, you know, I think. Uh, that that I mean, obviously, the aneurysm has changed so many things. Um, but I think that's been something that I've been pretty good at throughout my whole life is just sort of being able to roll with the punches. Um, I think, you know, when I was in high school, I probably wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, you know, that was my goal. And I think if if you had told me back then, you know, if I'd come back and told myself, well, listen, you're probably not going to be a filmmaker in the future. Uh, I don't know how I would have reacted. So I probably would have counseled myself to realize that that's an okay, it's fine. That's a good thing. You know, you, you, yeah. it's not an all or nothing sort of thing. Um, I think, mm -hmm. you know, all of us have our goals and our desires that we'd like to fulfill that do change over time. Um, you know, and sometimes we have obligations that we need to meet that prevent us from spending as much time on that as possible. So I think I would go back and just say, be patient, let let the events play out. Um, and and ultimately, it will be enjoyable, uh, you know, as as it proceeds. Excellent. What's your secret to staying committed? My secret to staying committed uh, is just to enjoy, find the ways that you can always enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, so even if it's not going well or you're having an off day, it's still something you'd like to be doing. Um, that's, I mean, that was sort of the final indicator that I should leave the teaching profession as a full-time teacher was just on an off day, I wouldn't find anything that I would want, I would still want to be there for a lot of, you know, a lot of my colleagues would feel differently. So I'm glad that they've stayed in the profession. But mm. for me, it, it was one of those things where it was like, well, when things aren't going their best, uh, it's probably time for me to find something else that I can answer that question to. Um, hopefully it'll be this new endeavor. Um, but we will, we will see. 
you know, I, I appreciate and that but point that you're making right now really resonates with me. Um, in my book, Dream Octane, The Seven Steps to Discover, Develop, and to Deliver Your Niche, um, I talk about um, in step seven, the importance of iterating. And um, what iterating um, really is, is that sometimes with creative people like myself and many others, um, they have so many, so many things that you want to do uh, in life, whether you're younger, older, or middle age, uh, there's always this inspiration to do things. Um, and what I find is that um, as we take people through this um, excavation process that I call them at each step is that the encouragement is do your one thing, become successful with it, and then go back to the next thing that you have on your list. And we take them through a whole process of how to, to do with it, how to organize it, as you were mentioning earlier. Um, but it, it really, step seven is when we talk about maximizing your niche or maximizing your abundant factor, the question that we ask the audience is, do you have more to give? And I think what you're act, what you're actually articulating right now is really speaking to that. And so, yes, yeah, staying committed. But as you did in, in your um, your epiphany, it caused you to pivot. And then you found like, wow, you know what? I do have a strong interest in something else. Uh, maybe it came by way of this injury, but I still have something that I, I feel like I have more to offer. Um, and I appreciate you giving voice to that. Thank you. Um, I definitely agree. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. And so um, the last question that I have for you is uh, how do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Uh, well, I think when you realize that you're not making any forward progress, um, when you're just moving sideways, I think that's probably the time, you know, and that's really difficult because like, for example, I've learned with recovery, uh, it doesn't move in a straight line. You know, it's like a spiral. So there are going to be days where you're, you feel like you're giving up progress, but I think you sort of will understand on the, you know, I've tried this so many ways and I keep finding that I'm not getting to where I want to be. Then, uh, you 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 begin to recognize, okay, well maybe this is a sign that I should, uh, move in a different direction. Mm. And so, you know, it's so much more that I believe we could share on and definitely build with. And I, I appreciate um, everything that you've shared just far thus far. Um, for those who want to keep the conversation going, who want to hear a little bit more about what you have to offer or just network with you uh, to see what other value adding uh, information you can share with them. How would they best uh, get in contact with you? So the best, I have a, a website that's just andrew-davy.com. Uh, that's D-A-V-I-E. Um, and there's a contact feature and it has links to all of my uh, projects. So that's probably the best way for anyone to get in touch with me. Excellent. And so our niche finder community, uh, you know that uh, if you want to get uh, the latest and greatest from us, as a matter of fact, our new book that just came out or my new book that just came out, dreamoctane.org, uh, uh, dreamoctane.org, that's dreamoctane.org is where you can pick up that copy of the seven steps to discover, develop and to deliver your niche. Uh, you know, I want to thank you everyone for tuning in today. And just remember, uh, our mantra hasn't changed even for season two. We believe that if innovative change is an engine your unique dream and ability could be its fuel 
thank you for tuning in today. And I, again, Andrew Davey, thank you for being a part of this program. We appreciate all that you had to offer. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>